Hey friends, and thank you for tuning in to the Occlusal Table, where we bridge dentistry with business, culture, and current events. I'm your host, Taylor Jackson, and if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a follow on Instagram at Occlusal Table Pod and share this episode with your friends, family, and colleagues. So for today, we have Dr. Joshua Tyson, who will share insight on leadership in organized dentistry and what it's like to work in an FQHC. Let's get started. Dr. Joshua Tyson is a graduate of The Ohio State University College of Dentistry, the Rutgers School of Public Health, and Morehouse College. He currently resides in Suffolk, Virginia, and practices dentistry in Suffolk and Smithfield, Virginia, where he is an associate and partner of both Pruden and Smithfield Family Dentistry. Prior to working in Virginia, he worked at a federally qualified healthcare center where he provided dental care to underserved populations across the state of New Jersey. Currently, he serves as the Speaker of the House for the National Dental Association and is an active member of Psi Omega Dental Fraternity. Thank you so much, Dr. Tyson, for being here. Thank you for having me. All right. So let's go ahead and jump into these questions. So what drew you into dentistry in the first place? Um, So... Actually, I wasn't drawn to dentistry in the first place. I was wanted to be a pediatrician. Um, I had a lot of family members who were in the in the field. Uh, my great grandfather was a dentist. My grandfather was a dentist. His sister has two kids that are dentists. So I always actually thought dentistry was gross. Um, you know, playing in people's mouths and people's bad breath. I just thought it was disgusting as a kid. You know, I respected what my grandfather and my cousins and family did, but it just wasn't for me. Um, I had a really great pediatrician, so that's kind of where my focus was. Um, but <laughs> so I, I, we talk about it kind of offline, but I told you the story a little bit. So um, when I was 17, I did a program in, at Columbia, New York, Co- College of Physicians and Surgeons, and it had a medical and a dental component. So I started off on the dental, com- I mean, the medical component. And so they took us on like an OBGYN rotation. And um, so the first thing we go into the room and it was like, it was a baby, you know, getting circumcised. So that wasn't a big deal for me. I was fine, kept it moving. And the next room, it was a doctor giving birth. A lady was giving birth, about 400 pound lady. And they had to use like the jaws life to pull her stomach back. And I was like, um, I don't know. Wait, this is really what we do? No, okay, hold on. So then we went to the next room and it was a doctor who had Crocs on with no socks. And so dude is literally like catching the baby after birth is just falling. And I was like, this ain't it. Like, I'm not built for this. Like, I'm not. This ain't me. So they were like, no, you'll be fine. Like, let's go to the next room. And so, mind you, 17 year old guy. And if you guys or your viewers have seen like these old surgery rooms where it's the big circle and, you know, you have a top viewing level and a bottom viewing level and the patients on the bottom. So they bring us into this room and um, sheets o- over the guy's upper body, 17 year old. They're like, all right, you know, we're going to put a catheter in. So I'm like, all right, go to the top of the body. I'm like, all right, let's do this. Yeah. They're like, no, um, you got to go down to the lower half. And I was like, uh, where does it got to go? Oh, nope. This isn't it for me. Like, I, I just knew, like, medicine was not it. So the girl I was talking to at the time was like, babe, I have a toothache. 
And I was like, what do you want me to do? Like, I'm not a dentist. I don't know what I'm looking at. She was like, yo, can you just put some Ambisol on it? So I was like, okay. And she opened her mouth and literally, like, I, 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 not joking at all. You know, those cartoon light bulbs that go above your head when they, they have a good thought. Yeah. That's kind of what happened to me. And it was like, oh, this dentistry thing isn't that bad. Um, so, you know, put the Ambisol on and I was like, oh, well, the blood can be suctioned up in this one space. Like, this is not that bad. Cool. So at the time, my grandfather retired. Um, he had he had literally just retired. And so I told him, I said, you know, Grandpa, I think I'm interested in being a dentist. And he's like, you waited too long. You know, oh, I just retired. So the guy who ended up buying his office ended up becoming my mentor. And so I ended up shadowing him for the next, you know, four or five months. Um, I invested what little money I had at the time into like DAT destroyer and Orgo man and you know um whatever that Kaplan uh DAT prep course and my mom was like oh you're kind of serious about this dental thing and I was like yeah I think this is what I want to do and you know it just kind of like grew on me um it took me a, a minute to make the decision but you know I'm very glad that where I am now um you know my application process to get into Ohio State I promise was the most random you know application it was like oh I guess I can be a Buckeye and literally click the, the box. And, you know, next thing I knew, you know, they granted me my acceptance and, you know, I went through the rigor and struggle of dental school, but here I am, but I'm, I'm very thankful. You know, it's kind of my own little journey, but yeah, that that's uh, my story. And we appreciate that story because there are some people who I have talked to that were initially interested in medicine and they're like, no, I don't, the same thing that you said, I don't want to play in people's mouths and things like that. But it's like when you actually see everything that medicine entails, you know, like that's when you can determine um, if that is this field that you actually want to go into. So that's why I, shadowing really is super important. So um, I just knew I wasn't built for it. I saw all the blood and I was like, hold on. Like, yep. <laughs> ain't it. Yeah, because I actually because um, I mean, I, I knew I wanted to be a dentist ever since I was like four or five years old. But then my first shadowing experience was with an oral surgeon and my mentor could tell you if <laughs> my mentor could tell you when he brought that hand piece out, like I almost fainted. I was like, can I just sit down for a minute? <laughs> you know, so he was extracting third molars, you know, just the routine stuff. And them out. I was like, right. And I was like, um, I need to sit down because I need so um and, but yeah but then after that I was like you know what I can keep on pushing through this this is not everything that dentistry is um yep. but then I continued shadowing with him for the rest of the summer but I just had to overcome that initial procedure first mm -hmm. um but then yeah I finally settled into it. And now, you know, it doesn't freak me out at all, but I mean, I, I feel like it's too late in the game for it too. Yeah. Once you get in, you're like, uh, okay, I'm too deep now. I'm too deep. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. So then going back to your dental school experience at, um, the Ohio state university, like what were you involved in, uh, during dental school and everything like that? So I was, I was involved with SNDA. Um, but you know, dental school is also a business trip, right? So you go there to try to really focus on the academic portion. You have a little bit of social, unfortunately for me, like my social, I DJ through dental school. So I had a part-time gig at a bar every Friday. 
that, you know, paid for my books or whatever kind of things that I wanted to go out and do. Um, so that was really like my Fridays and Saturdays, but I was involved with SNDA, um, didn't hold like the national positions, but I was basically our vice president for the first three years that I was in dental school. And then my last year, I was like, I just can't do anything. I just need to focus on getting out. Um, but, you know, being, I was a district, I want to say, I think if I remember correctly, I think Ohio was six. I think I'm not sure. I can't remember, but I know I was a district, whatever rep, you know, when I was in dental school. Um, and yeah, I mean, but it really showed me the need for organized dentistry. Um, it really kind of, I met a lot of great people. Um, ironically that, you know, I still keep in touch with today. I think I'm closer with a lot more, um, university of Louisville students than I am with actual, my, my dental classmates, uh, because of, you know, the conventions, um, just kind of getting out and meeting and networking and meeting people from different schools, you know, I was able just to kind of build relationships with people that now as, as practicing dentists, you, that's your, that's my network. Um, so yeah, I'm proud of that. So then even with being super involved in SNDA, um, and moving over on the other side to being a young dentist, a, you know, a fresh graduate, um, what led you to pursuing leadership in the NDA? Like, because you're the speaker of the house, like that is a really big job. So how did you like go and transition into that type of leadership? So it's actually kind of funny. Um, so my my grandfather is a past president of NDA. Um, so big shoes to fill on that. But I was never really trying to walk in those shoes. And it's kind of similar to the path of dentistry, right? I never knew that I wanted to do all these things. And then all of a sudden, I'm kind of walking the same path as my grandfather unintentionally. Um, but how I got involved with NDA was kind of just after graduation. And then, so just, just, it's fair on both sides, right? So when you graduate as a student, you don't really kind of know which direction you want to go into when you, when you're actually a dentist, when you go to these conventions, um, that was my first year experience coming out. You know, I, I was a new dentist, didn't know where to go you know, there's not a lot of direction, um, you know, and they kind of put me in district one, which I was from New Jersey. So that's where my district came in the meeting, introduced myself. And they were like, Hey, you want to be, uh, the district one to the board of trustees. And I was like, uh, sure. Like, you know, didn't know any kind of procedures, didn't know anything, but it was like, okay, you're entrusting a new face to go. Um, so within the first two years, you know, I kind of used that to learn, um, and understand the organizational structure. Um, then I became the lead for district one and then they kind of, they kind of, again, so it's kind of like a grooming process and I wasn't even thinking I was going to be speaker. Um, but you know, the need was there and, you know, I'm, I'm always willing to take a challenge. And so that's kind of where me becoming speaker for the house kind of came in. I had to follow, read up on Robert Schwartz's order, you know, get familiar with the constitution and the bylaws and stuff like that. Um, there's still things that I'm, you know, still learning because um, there is a learning curve, just like dental school. But I feel like, you know, luckily I have really great mentors within the NDA. Um, people have kind of helped show me what I need to do and kind of make sure that I'm on time with goals and stuff like that. So um, for me, it's always been, a need for new dentists on the NDA. So that way we can further the organization, um, throw out like my speaker of the house and, and, and delegate board, board trustee stuff. 
what I'm most proud of so far, what I've done with NDA is their social media program. Um, you know, there's a hundred year organization and, and they haven't really had an up-to-date Instagram, Twitter, social media kind of program. So um, doing, doing a little research, you know, I figured out money making Monday, trivia Tuesday, wellness Wednesdays, you know, throwback Thursdays, feel good Fridays, all these different concepts that you see now on their social media. That's me and, and the team that we were able to kind of create. And so the next project, you know, trying to get them moving forward is we created the new dentist committee. Um, the new dentist committee is really important for new dentists because those who want to take on leadership positions are able to now come in and say, okay, well, I served on a committee for a year. I have the experience that, you know, the NDA wants, and then I can go and, you know, be on the executive committee because I say this all the time to the board of trustees, you know, I I love them. They're, They're my, they're my people. I love them to death, but as seasoned dentists, you know, they're kind of old in their thinking and they're kind of They want to retire soon. And so picking the next generation of new dentists is really important to make sure that the organization moves forward. Um, But that's with any organization. Right. And so even with, you know, HSDA or or ADA, you know, you can have somebody who's been practicing 50 years. But at some point, you know, that guy who's only been around five, six years, he's to come in and kind of learn. So that way the organization can move forward. And so, you know, that's really what we're trying to do. Um, we're trying to really create this environment where new dentists can feel welcome and feel like they have a voice and seat at the table. Um, so that, that's kind of where I have kind of staked my niche in the NDA in terms of outside of being the speaker is really trying to create a voice, uh, for new dentists so that they can feel like there's a a platform for them to kind of create a difference. And I appreciate that too, because um, that actually kind of follows into like my next question, as far as having like new grads or um, those that are currently in dental school right now, like how can they be involved? I know we've worked together because I was on the um, uh, international position for SNDA, but how can dental students or new grads get involved into the NDA Um and make that transition like a seamless process. I know you talked about the new dentist committee, but what exactly would be required of them or what's that level of expectation when it comes to being a part of leadership as well as trying to, you know, get on a stable footing when it comes to being a new dentist? So, you know, for me, I am a very kind of like even keel person, right? So, Right now, the new dentist is st- new dentist committee is still in its like planning phases. So the expectations that I have for the few people that I have on the committee are let's create content. You know, let's figure out new ideas that they haven't seen before, because for me, you know what I'm trying to do. So I, I mean, I'll kind of tell you my next kind of bigger plan for NDA moving forward. So they're trying to have their conventions in Vegas and New Orleans the next couple of years. Right. And so for me, what I would love to have is a celebrity sponsor. So when I first moved to Virginia, my uh, current job, we we went to Dallas for a team training institute and the keynote speaker was Emmett Smith, right? And so, you know, they advertised Emmett Smith. You, They had him sign a bunch of paraphernalia. They raffled it off. You know, they gave each practice an opportunity to take a picture with Emmett Smith. You know, for me, I look at that as if the NDA could get that kind of exposure from a celebrity, Number one, that can drum up interest from other people outside the organization, but also sponsorships, you know, and what kind of what's a better way to say, oh, you know, 
I'm going to use Phoenix since we're going to Phoenix, but come to Phoenix and, you know, maybe meet Chris Paul or maybe meet, you know, Devin Booker or somebody that, you know, you see playing sports, get an autograph or win a raffle or get a picture with. Then when you go back to your school, you're like, yo, we just met Chris Paul at this convention. And then you're going to have other people who are like, oh, wait, I want to go next one, see who they got. You know what I mean? That is the kind of thing that the energy, the the vibes that the new dentist committee is trying to create. Um, it's also tr- because I got tired of seeing the same kind of programming every year from conventions. And I'm sure, you know, at, as a student, if you go to, if you go to a convention, your, your D one year, your D two year is the same convention by three and four. You're like, all right, I'm just here to kind of meet and hang out. Like I'll go to the, the men's men to men symposium. I'll go to the gala, the rites of passage. Like I'll do the key things, but like all this stuff that I've been doing, like, I don't, you know, so you, what I'm trying to do with this new dentist committee is create new content, new things that people haven't seen. So that way, when new dentists come in, it's not like I've seen this before. I don't want to do the same old NDA. Um, and also, you know, this new generation of dentists is not interested in the same stuff that the older generation is. Right. So our generation wants to know about how do we pay these loans off quicker? You know, how do I not work five days a week? You know, how do I maximize my income by doing and I the least amount of work possible? You know what I mean? That's and that's just real. Um, you know, how do I not how do I pay off my loan debt and say, OK, you know what? I want to travel every other week because that's that's my life. You know, I've, I've earned it. I've worked hard. So it's a very different mindset that, you know, our generation has compared to the older generation where it's like you have to work hard to be successful. You got to, you know, pay your bills off and you have to take when you take time off that's when you can vacation. Like we trying to take like weekend flights out the country, you know, like we want to be out like, okay, we worked a hard week, bro. I'm on a beach somewhere Friday, Saturday. I'll see y'all Monday, you know, and that's the difference. And so trying to change the mindset of the, some of the older generation to see like, Hey, you have this new breed of dentist that wants to come in and help, but you can't kind of suffocate these ideas. You can't suffocate their momentum when they're trying to build something. And that's kind of where the new dentist committee, that's kind of where my mindset goes into play with the NDA and anybody who's trying to be interested in new dentist. Thank you for that, because that is something that, you know, from talking with some of my classmates, um, bringing in even like different lunch and learn people to come to talk to us, uh, talking about, you know, um, uh, practice management, talking about student loan repayment, all of those options that may be available. Um, and just like what you said, you know, trying to maximize your earnings while I don't want to say working the least amount of days, but I mean, just trying to at least, um, um, spread your business like across different States or maybe even across different cities and going from there too. What I try to get, what I've tried to get the NDA to understand is that the one thing we all have in common, right. Is we're all dentists. But the difference is, for example, you have a podcast. I like to garden. You know, everybody is different in their own regard. And so we could highlight that about people. You know, yes, we can all come under the same umbrella as dentists and, you know, oral health, you know, providers, but show me your hobbies. You know, what do you like to do outside of dentistry? And that is where we're all kind of different. And that's where it's important to highlight because, you know, everybody always sees dentists as, you know, and doctors as these high people, you know, and I, I get it. But I tell people at the end of the day, it's like, I'm literally just a person. You know, 
I'm a, I, I breathe the same air. My blood's the same color. Like I just kind of went to school and worked hard to get this degree and some paper, but I'm still just a person. And so, you know, if you treat me like a person, I guarantee you we're going to treat each other like people and it will be good to go, you know? And so that's half the battle. Yeah. And, you know, it, that's, it's good that you brought that up too, because even with some of my classmates, um, whenever we go like out to like a lunch or something like that, uh, I would say, okay, let's try to not talk about dentistry, <laughs> you know, because we're more than that. Yeah. But I mean, we tend to fall back into talking Absolutely. about dentistry and cases or, you know, what we're doing uh, after graduation and everything. But, you know, it is something to remember that we are still human. We're just, you know, we're people we need to find hobbies and interests outside of dentistry so that we can stay sane because yeah. it's yeah. that's the only way to keep us grounded. <laughs> I mean, I, I it's funny. I tell people and some of my employees and staff, I'm like, look, Eight to five, I'm Dr. Tyson, all day. Great. After that, like, just call me Joshua. Like, but the funny thing is the reality, like, my staff can't do it. Like, we'll go out and they're like, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Tyson, Dr. Tyson. And I'm like, you know, just say, call. but I, I understand, you know? And, and so I had one of uh, my frat brothers was talking about the other day um, when he's in the military, you know, it's like, you can, you can go out and with your boys and you can have that informal but if you're in front of everybody, you can't say that informal because you're going to get reprimanded. And so they kind of keep their titles just for their own kind of sake. And so it kind of made sense. And I was like, all right, like, I got you. So, I mean, I understand it. But, yeah, I just think, you know, for me, I'm just a person. I happen to have a couple letters after my name. You know, there's a doctor in front, like whatever. But we're just people first. Yeah, definitely. And then even switching over into that clinical aspect um, with you working in an FQHC and everything like that, what was that experience like and what led you to wanting to work in an FQHC? So uh, for me, federally a federally qualified health center was really important for me to start my dental career at because I wanted to help people that looked like me. Um, I didn't grow up with a lot of money. Um, even though my grandfather was a dentist, you know, he, if you've ever seen that old, uh, Bill Cosby show where he was like, Theo was talking about, Oh dad, we're rich. He was like, no, I'm rich. You, my kid kind of thing. That's kind of how my grandfather treated everybody. And so, you know, my mom, I love her to death hustled. She got two masters and then went and got her PhD. So, you know, she kind of set the bar high for me. Um, but I knew growing up, you know, the struggle was kind of real, you know, we lived in, in a small apartment and it was just, getting by. And so I wanted to help people that look like me who lacked access to care. And so when I first went back, I went to a mixed low-income community, African-Americans and Latinos in Perth Amboy, New Jersey at Jewish Renaissance. Um, I was there for a few months and I ended up following um, my last boss down to Camden. If you know anything about Camden, Camden, New Jersey, it's one of the most roughest cities in New Jersey, probably one of the, in, in America up there with Newark and all that. So um, you know, for lack of nothing, like they did not have clinics nearby. They didn't have proper education of dental materials, um, a lot of food deserts. Um, so, you know, bodegas that just would have a bunch of sugars and candies and stuff like that. So, um, that's where I went for the first four years of my dental career. Um, I had my own clinic. Um, it was really big. And I think even down here, the transition has been about patient education. Um, you find 
common grounds with people. And I think even when I was in dental school, you know, I didn't care if you were the richest white person that came through the door, the poorest black person or the poorest white person. We were going to find a common ground to talk about something outside of dentistry. Because if I can, if I can connect with you outside of dentistry, when you're in my chair, we're going to be fine. And so, you know, going to an FQHC, it was really important for me to not only help people that look like me, but then educate them because I knew all the, the, the bad part about an FQHC is they don't pay well, right? So you're not going there for the pay. You're going there for, you know, to help and then some tuition reimbursement. I would also caution everybody who is interested in FQHC to check on that because it started off real great. You mind, can, I, can I talk about that as well? Um, the It started off really great. And it's based off of how many patients you see a quarter. And if the, the health center does not meet that quota or number, you don't get your bonus, your quarterly. And so how t- tuition repayment worked was after each quarter, they paid a portion of that tuition if you met the patients. But if you didn't meet the patients, you didn't get the money. And then, you know, if you defaulted, it went into a under your bigger loans. So by the time I was in my like third year at CamCare, I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this tuition reimbursement anymore because it's not really helping me. Um, I wasn't making significant money. I was living check to check, which no dentist really should start doing. Um and so, you know, it was for me at that point, it was like, okay, I've been here four years. I've kind of used it like a residency to gain speed, work on my technique, you know, learn how to talk to patients, deal with patient acceptance, proper diagnosing, all the things that, you know, you're taught in dental school, but you have to really kind of hone in and focus once out. Um, so, I, you know, we did a, um, one of my proudest accomplishments, and I, I check on it still we did for the four years that I was there, I did a community garden, um, paid out of my own pocket. Right. And so we taught them how to grow literally everything, every kind of fruit and vegetable possible for self-sustainability. When I left, um, my mom called me the other week and told me that they, she passed it pat this past summer and they were able to grow some corn and stuff. So I was happy to see that they're still maintaining that without me there. And so that was a project that I was really proud of, you know? And so when you kind of reach changes, and I still have patients who who text me here and there, and like, "Oh, we miss you. How you doing? Oh, you know, they said that you're not here, and I don't want to come back." No, it's like you got to go get your treatment. Like, but you know, for me, that the hardest part was literally leaving. You know, I didn't want to, but it was like I need the challenge of something different. And you know, I, I went to Henry Shine's website, applied to two jobs. And next thing I knew I was moving to Virginia. I didn't have a license. You know, it was like, oh, okay. I got to work at the the health center till May. Cool. And that's kind of how it ended up me transitioning. But, you know, I will, I will never bad mouth it. The only thing that you go to an FKQHC to to help people, you go there because you want to provide access to those lacking in care. You want to help educate. You want to help try to change the lives because all the difference for me was, People who came in tooth pain, pull my tooth, pull my tooth, pull my tooth. Here, private practice, it's like, I got a toothache, but I got insurance. Send me to a root canal. Like, I want to keep my teeth. And you're like, wait a minute. Like, I'm used to pulling teeth all the time. Like, get out of here. Let's go. But no, it's like, okay, let me say you're a specialist. Let me put a crown on it. Because then 
And this is not to, I tell my patients all the time, I don't practice to line my pocket. I can't. The way I practice is if my mom was sitting in this chair and I saw this with my mom, how would I have this conversation? Mom, you need to get a crown. Mom, you need to get a tooth out. Mom, you need to fill it. Now, if you don't want to do it, sir or ma'am, that's on you. But don't say I didn't tell you because if your tooth breaks, you come back. You can't blame me. You know what I mean? So patient education never changes, whether it's at a private practice or an FQHC. And so, you know, I chose to not do a residency um, because I, I need to go out and make money. Um, I didn't have the time to kind of sit back and do a residency. I needed to go out and kind of pay some bills off. So um, that's why I use the FQHC kind of as that. And I, I love it and I, I recommend it. But it would not be something there where I would stay more than four years because your salary, you don't get paid off your production. And I'm glad you talked about that too, because I think when it comes, like they paint that picture for us, like when working for um, an FQHC or doing some sort of loan repayment program at, um, you know, somewhere in like a rural city or something like that, a government loan repayment program, um, and that picture isn't really painted for us. They just, we just see it like, oh, we're going to get our loans paid quick amount of time, you know, um, you know, whichever, uh, gotta read the fine print for sure. Gotta read the fine print. You got to ask questions because again, like you said, you're going there thinking I'm gonna get my loans paid off. And I, that's kind of where I went in mm-hmm. and my first check, I was like, hold up, this it like, I just worked all, I saw all these patients did all this work. And it was a blip. It wasn't even anything significant where I was like, wait a minute, I got to do four quarters to just to get this. If I was making 250, 350,000, I could pay off it faster versus what I'm doing here. Got to make sure. So that's why you said, you know, like working at an FQHC, you just want to at least go there to help people. Because at that point, like with the whole loan repayment part, even if you went straight to private practice or being an associate, you know, you'd make the money to help pay off your loans. And that it'll kind of even itself out just a bit. Well, here's the problem that, you know, I think, and this is based off conversations I've had with new Dennis and my, my brief experience in the private practice, not just here. Um, when you're a new dentist, excuse me, when you go into private practice, you're going to have, depending on the type of owner that you have, you're going to have an owner that's going to take a majority of the high product producing dental work. So your crowns, your implants, your dentures and stuff, right? And he's going to give you your fillings and, you know, stuff that he don't really want to do. So, you know, your first couple months are going to probably be, they'll be productive, you know what I mean? But they're not going to be productive if you make understand what I'm saying. So, you know, when choosing a practice, it's very important that you understand what you're getting into, you know, because if if your doc is just going to give you fillings all day and not let you get, you know, the bigger crowns or extractions and stuff like that, then you're just kind of wasting your time. But if you're not like, so the reason I love where I'm at in both offices, actually, because when, so when I'm in Suffolk, I'm by myself. So everything is me. I do all the production. When I go to Smithfield, it's me and another doctor and we split it. Right. So it's, you get paid off hygiene checks, you get paid off production and your work. But, you know, if I have two crowns on my schedule, you're going to, we'll split it. Like I'm going to give you one because I'm not going to just let you be out there with nothing, you know? And so it's a teamwork that you kind of have to do. Um, because the money's if, if you're doing good work, the money's going to come. Patients are going to come in. You're going to get seen. You're going to have people in your chair. It's when you get the 
well, I don't understand this treatment and I don't want to do it. Then you're like, okay, patients are like, walk out the door, you know, they go somewhere else. And so you just, it's just a matter of learning how to deal with patients, talk to patients and then case acceptance. So then like, what did you do so that you knew which practice to be a part of, to be an associate with? Because that's a huge jump, you know, as far as like contract negotiation, as far as making sure, you know, you're not being swindled into like just getting those fillings and those types of cases and procedures. How did you know um, or gauge like the practices that you wanted to be a part of? I think for me, it was just a vibe. Um, you know, I, I had literally two interviews in Virginia before I um, accepted. So, and I didn't even go to one. So I literally had one interview. Um, I had applied for a job in Roanoke and then I applied for a job in Smithfield. And so I have family who live down here and they were like, don't go to Roanoke. Roanoke's not a good place for us. Like you don't want to go down there. And I was like, okay. Cause the only thing I really knew about Roanoke was the American horror story TV show. And I was like, same here. <laughs> sketch but you know yeah. whatever like let's go let's let's whatever it's, it's, it's people people need dentistry somewhere like i'm cool they were like no nah, don't, don't do that bro so i was like okay cool um so yeah I, I drove down here met my boss and my the office manager we sat at this restaurant and they kind of picked my brain and sat there and and you know i told him i was like look don't have a, a virginia license so if y'all like me I got to go through the process. You know, I got to get it. Da, 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 da. They liked me. I came back for like a second interview. And I think I was driving home and he called me and he was like, look, man, I don't really like wasting my time. I like you. I want to hire you. And <laughs> I'm a big kid. So I was like, I like you too, dude. Like, yeah. Like, Cause I told, like I told the office manager, I was like, I low key want to hug this man in the interview. Like he's cool. Like he just, you know, he just had a, a good vibe to him. Um, and you know, I lucked up. I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, I had the strip, the science behind it. I lucked out into a really good situation. Um, had there been growing pains? Absolutely. Because, you know, at the FQHC, all I was doing was amalgams. You know, and so now coming out here to private practice, you got people who's like, I don't want that silver in my mouth. And you're like, oh, I got to do posterior composites. I ain't done posterior composites in a while. You know, just trying to get reacclimated to doing that was a learning curve for me. Um, but also, which is, I have no idea. Like my first like month or two here, terrible. Like I could not pull a tooth to save my life. Like our people's teeth, poof, poof, out of here. Like whatever coming out and they say you know we have the most dense jaw structure you know right that's part of me like give me those like i put on you know queen another one bites the dust by the time that song is over your teeth are out like that's me these white folks man <sighs> like i <laughs> there were days i literally would call my mom and i was like i think i don't i need to go back to school like i done forgot how to pull a tooth i don't know what's happening but it was nerves. It was jitters, you know, because you're, you're coming into a new situation. You know what you got to do, but you don't want to look like you don't know what you got to do. Right. And so, you know, once that that kind of calmed down, everything has been smooth and easy. Um, the first bonus check messed me up because I was like, hold on, hold on, hold on. This for me, like all this is for me. Like, nah, like 
y'all messed up somewhere. Like added an extra zero somewhere. <laughs> like where's the taxes? Like uh, somebody you you didn't put my tax information in correctly. So I mean for real, like when I was in New Jersey, literally, like I said, I lived check to check. You know, pay my rent off. When I got my next check, pay my part of my loans off and pay my bills. <clears throat> I got my first bonus check. I paid my rent, my loans, my car note, whatever, whatever. Still had money left over. And I was like, nah, <laughs> something is wrong. Like, this ain't it. Like, why y'all playing with me? Like, this can't be life, you know? And so that transition has been new for me. Um, you know, having more money than I knew about before. But, you know, there's also responsibility with that, right? So you're like, okay, I can't just go out and buy 85-inch TVs just because I can and want to. You know, I can't go buy five pair of Jordan just because I like them and I want to. Like, I mean, you know, you can, but you don't want to. You know, you try to try to budget, you know. So um for me, it's just it's it's I'm still learning, you know, this whole new dentist thing and, and learning and moving in private practice and it's been great. You know, I'm very thankful for the opportunities. I have really good mentors that, you know, when I get stuck, I'm like, look, I don't know how to do this. Like, what, what do I do? You know? And when it comes to mentorship within, you know, organized dentistry, you know, it's the same thing. Like if I have a question, Hey, you know, call this guy or call this, you know, Dr. Harper, Dr. Fletcher, Dr. Sheet, you know, whatever. Like it's a good team of people, Dr. Henderson, you're not going to go on and on about the team, you know, but it's about your networking. And I think that when you're a student, it's really important to utilize, you know, organized industry to network, but then also once you graduate, when you graduate, to kind of keep that network and move forward. Like you hit me up, asking me about this podcast, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure that I'll probably work with other new dentists as we continue on, but it's nothing I want to help. We want to, we want to kind of keep this, uh, what do you want to call it? Camaraderie, membership, all that stuff, you know, fellowship. There we go. That's what I'm looking for. But yeah. And, um, you know, I actually want to dive deeper into the public health dentistry side of things. So uh, because I'm interested in public health and everything. So um, what led you to wanting to pursue that path or like what do you think you would tell dental students about like appreciating the bridge between public health and dentistry? Because I think that sometimes public health can get a bad rep sometimes. Oh, absolutely. absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. If you're going into public health, you have to understand that you're not going into it for the money. If you understand that, then you'll have no problem. Um, I said this before I left my FQHC. If I did not have crazy amount of student loan debt and, you know, I would work in FQHC my whole life. Why? Because I can help people that look like me. I can educate people that look like me. Now, will I change their attitudes? One out of five, maybe, but not everybody. But if I can reach one, that, that's all that matters to me. It doesn't matter. It didn't matter how many procedures I did. I got the same check every two weeks. If you understand that, then you're good. But, you know, you're the, also the negative about FQAC is that you kind of pigeonhole yourself in a certain aspect of dentistry, right? You're probably not going to do a lot of implants. You're probably not going to do a lot of root canals. Your job is basically going to be fillings, a few crowns here, extractions, dentures. So if you're okay with limiting yourself to that aspect of dentistry, then great. 
and helping people and providing access to care who those who look like you and those who don't have, you know, the means to afford the, the expensive dentistry, then that's totally it. You know, I support public health dentistry for that aspect alone because everybody deserves to have to want to smile and have a good smile, right? No one deserves to walk around here with this, you know, bad, bad teeth or, you know, not liking their teeth. If you want to change your teeth, you should be able to do so. Um, that's part the part of the Medicaid for all benefit that the NDA has been working on. You know, that is why federally qualified health centers exist. Um, the beautiful part about them, and they're a lot of them, they're income-based, uh, uh, uh it's income-based for your copay. So if you make, you know, $10,000, you may have a $20 copay and that $20 will get you an exam, a filling and whatever else, you know, and then they create payment plans. So, you know, when you have the bigger stuff like crowns or dentures, the FQAC is there to help you have an avenue to pay for it if if they, if it's done correctly. Um, and I can speak very highly of CamCare is that they were able to have a fee scale for patients. And so they were based off your income. And so, you know, you can get a crown for 250. You can get a denture, you know, for 250. And, you know, private practice, you know, dentures and crowns are $1,000 a pop, you know. And so the caveat to that, is that you have to understand that people in federally qualified health centers are coming from, well, I'm trying to figure out the word I want to use, are are coming from a place where they don't understand the care they're getting, right? So they don't give, they don't care that it's a thousand dollar crown that you're really giving them for 250. You know, it's just get it in my mouth. You know, they don't care that Hey, now you got to floss this. I don't floss. Like that education aspect of of FQHCs is really important because hey, like when you leave, that next doctor may not come in and give that same kind of care. You know what I mean? That next doctor may not come and say, "Hey, like these are things that I want you to work on." Like what I what I what I tended to do was when I had a kid, it would be, "Hey, um how many times a day are you brushing your teeth? And, you know, I, I, the one kid that stands out in my head was, I don't have a toothbrush in my house. And the mom was like, you got a toothbrush in the bathroom. And he's like, mom, that's not my toothbrush. She goes, well, well, you got two. She's like, mom, I'm not going to use another, another toothbrush that's not mine. So, you know, you deal with people who have that come situations. You know, everybody is, oh, it's always grandma's fault who, you know, all the cavities and all the candy because, you know, everybody's at work. But the strategies that I would try to implement and to that kid who didn't have a toothbrush, we sent him home with at least 30 toothbrushes. So it was like, bro, you can't ever say that you'll never have a toothbrush. And if you run out, come to the clinic, we'll give you another one. Like we're not short on toothbrushes ever. Um, But the strategies I would tell people would say, listen, you got a kid, parent, mom, dad, whatever. Brush your teeth before in the morning, right after breakfast. Cool. They go to school, they eat junk food, whatever, whatever, whatever. Bring them back as soon as they get home from school at 3.30, 4 o'clock, brush their teeth as soon as they walk through the door. Boom. Then they go play Fortnite, whatever kids they do, Roblox, Minecraft, whatever these kids are doing. Go out, Instagram, Twitter, Snapchat, whatever you do, go do that. Then before bed, brush. And after that, water. And I tell parents, I said, listen, if you can get them on this routine now, by the time they're 20 and 30, they're going to be repeating this. And as as efficient as you having them do it, if you start brushing with them, they're going to say, okay, well, mom and dad is taking care of their teeth. I want to take care of mine. 
nothing will deter a child faster than seeing the kids say, oh, well, if mom's not taking care of the teeth, if dad's not taking care of the teeth, why do I, you know? And a lot of parents don't understand that because it's like, well, you know, I had bad teeth and I'm, you know, it, it's whatever. Like, no, like, it's not whatever. Like, if you show the kid that you care about your teeth and coming to dentist, they're going to want to do the same. You know, in, I'm sure you've, in, in your clinical practice now, you've seen the helicopter parent, you know, it's like, oh, you're going to get a shot. You know, you're like, look, if you can just sit to the side for me for two seconds, let me, let me deal with the kid. Like go through your show, tell, do, you know, and I've learned a lot of kids. Yes, they're scared, but if you can get them laughing, joking, smiling about something other than dentistry, they will open wide and let you give them the longest needle that you can and be like, look, go to sleep. Like it's nothing, you know, and in my office now, I got a kid who comes in. I love this guy. He's, he's, he's dope. Um, the first day he came in, he was super nervous. I said, why are you nervous? He goes, oh, my mom told me I had to get a shot. I said, okay, let me tell you something. I showed him, we had an Instagram from, we were in Halloween. I said, you know, um, you know, the Grinch came in and we had to do uh, a procedure. He said, the Grinch came here? I said, yeah, you know, uh, you know, he's mean, but you know, we took care of him. I was a minion at the time for Halloween. So I was like, oh, you know, and I showed him the picture. And so he said, oh, well, the Grinch can do it. I can do it. And, you know, we, we, did the procedure. And when he left, he goes, you know, next time I come in, can we do um, superhero day? And I said, okay, if you promise to be brave and big, like you were today, we'll do superhero day. He said, okay. So we can't, he, other week he came in on my Instagram, you know, you'll see me, I'm dressed as Spider-Man. You know, he came in dressed as Batman, um, staff dressed up superheroes. You know, we do those things to, to help kids. You do the same thing kind of with, with adults too, though. Right. So you have parents who are like, oh, I'm scared of the dentist. And you're like, well, it's okay. Let's let's figure out how to get you unscared. Oh, you like to fish, you like to hunt, you know, whatever. Okay, let's talk about that for a minute. You know, and then you personalize it. These people down here, and I say down here where I'm at, it's it's more of a family atmosphere. You know, you 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 build this relationship, you build the trust. You know, I had a guy when I first started, because when we bought this practice, you know, the dentist was. 40 years practicing. She had been doing kind of bad dentistry at this point. Um, you know, I had a guy who was like, well, I don't want to come here anymore. I'm just going to go find a dentist in North Carolina because my, I don't like my denture. Now, mind you, we bought this practice from an old white lady, you know, Southern Christian to the core. Like she, I was told like when she was working on patients, she was preaching to them. Like not my style in the least. So then you got a young black guy coming in being like, okay, let me help you. And these Southern folks are like, I don't know you like, get out of here, sir. Like, you know what I mean? Like, but to really establish rapport and trust with these patients has been life-changing for them. Um, so, you know, he had an implant supported denture and he was like, I don't want to do it. I said, okay, well, if you give me a chance, I guarantee you, because you know, the teachers in dentistry would never make guarantees in dentistry, but Dentures are what I'm good at. I know that. So I was like, if you let me do this for you, I guarantee you're going to, you're going to like your teeth. A couple of weeks later, a couple months, got it all delivered the case. And he was like, you know, I'm really glad I stayed with you. You know, I was a little nervous at first. I'm really glad. He wrote us a great Facebook review. You know, they tell you word of mouth is the biggest, the easiest form of, of, of bringing in new patients. 
last week alone, we saw 20 new patients. Wow. You know, so changing not only the practice, but changing the attitudes of pay people will increase your production. And that's kind of where, you know, we're at. We're proud of where the office is heading um, because she, <laughs> this, this, this older pra- lady that we bought the practice from was not collecting. Like she had like a 700,000 collection debt when I started. How, how did that, you know what? I... <laughs> that's for another podcast. Okay. Another podcast. But, but, you know, you go into these situations and you're like, well, how was she keeping the lights on? How was she doing this? You know, had patients 20 years without x-rays. And they're like, I don't need x-rays. You know, my teeth are just fine. You take an x-ray and you're like, bruh. And so, you know, you're like, you and things that you learn, you know, going into FQHCs and now going to private practice, you can't just inundate a new patient with, hey, you need 20 crowns in your mouth now, bruh. Sorry. Like, what I have learned is we have an intraoral camera. So we take a bunch of IO pics of everything, right? And so I'm going to show you what your tooth looks like. So now you can see how this tooth looks. Now, you have a choice. If you're okay with how that tooth looks, cool. If you don't want it, if you don't like it, let me change it. Now, I tell patients all the time, let's prioritize. This tooth looks like the worst. If this were my mom, you know, going back, I'd say, mom, this is tooth we got to work on first. This one I can wait for your next six months or your three-month checkup, but let me get this one fixed first. See how you respond to that. Bring you back. Now we've built rapport and trust, and now you're like, oh, okay, that one wasn't that bad. You know, the needle was, wasn't was that bad either. Like, you know what? You're pretty good. So many patients have that I've gotten here. I'm scared of the needle. I'm scared of the needle. I'm like, okay, open big for me. Done. They're like, wait, that's the needle? You done? Like, yeah, man. That's it. Yeah, that dental anxiety is, it's huge. I mean, even just as a dental student, you know, yeah. patients come in and they're just like, oh, you know, I hate the dentist. And I'm like. My first, <laughs> my first response, I love, I love that by patients. But see, so I'm, I tell people all the time, I am not the typical dentist. You know, I'm not by any means. So I hate the dentist. I'm like, okay, I hate patients. Like, what are we doing? Like, shoot, like. You here, I'm here. Let's okay, let's get to work. Like, you know, and we'll all laugh, we'll all crack a joke, we'll all smile, and then they'll understand. Look, like I'm not trying to hurt you, I'm not trying to do harm by you. I, if I have to educate you first to, so that you understand like what this is, I'll take 15 minutes out of my time to do it. I'll take 20. Hell, if you need the 30, I'll do it too. But the thing that happens in, in the clinic. The dentist comes in, they say one thing. By the time they leave, the assistant says another thing. By the time they get to the front desk, the front desk girl says something, office manager, whatever. And the patient's like, I don't understand treatment. And you're like, well, how? How did you just miss all of us talking I've to you? I've gotten that plenty of times. <laughs> yeah. Like you can, you can tell this patient, okay, you need a root canal. After root canal, you need a crown. Da, 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 da. Assistant repeat the same thing. By the time they get to the front desk, I don't really know what I need. I don't know what I got to go. What do, what do I, what do I got to do? And so taking that extra time to, to joke with a patient will then have them say, you know what? Okay. We joked about it, but now let's get serious and say, okay, let me show you this root canal. Let me show you why you need this root canal. This is the nerve here. This is that, see this gray spot here. That is decay. 
the reason that you're when you breathe that cold air when you're having that problem yeah that's that's this right here so you have two options you know if this were my mom and you want to keep it i'll let you tell you this is what you got to do now patients are like oh i want to keep it okay well then hey you're in my office now you try to get that you try to get that taken out today hey google no wait oh, so my google's gonna play i can't do it <laughs> like play another one bites the dust you know what i'm saying and you're like let's get get to work so um, but you know, it, it's literally that kind of mentality where you have with patients where, yes, you want to educate, yes, you want to keep them, retain them in the practice, but you know, there are, there are times and we'll talk, we can talk about it where you have to dismiss a patient, you know, Hey, I don't want to get x-rays done. It's been 20 years. I had to dismiss a patient last week it was like, Oh, well, you know, it's been 20 years and I don't know why I got x-rays. I don't need to get x-rays. I'm not having any pain, sir. In order for me to properly diagnose and make sure that things are not going awry, I just take x-rays. From a legal standpoint, I'm not going to let you just say, oh, well, I have all this pain all of a sudden and they never took x-rays. I can't do it. If that's if you're not okay with that, then maybe I'm not the practice for you. It is okay. It's okay to dismiss a patient because all money ain't good money. And, and you will realize that once you start practicing that, it's like, my first week, I'll never forget my first week in Smithfield. We had a guy come in for, I think it was a, was a crown. It was a crown or an implant. No, it was a crown. And he told my boss, like, before you cut this tooth, you know, if you can't guarantee and if it comes off, I'm going to sue. My boss was like, get out, <laughs> like straight up. I was like, huh? Like I had never seen that happen. You know, because in dental school, you're like, you got to kind of take it. You know what I'm saying? And FQACs, I'm not going to lie, you kind of got to you gotta take it too. Um, you know, I, I was cursed out by a patient for their kid having a cavity, you know, and I didn't. You didn't put it there. Like, now, mind you, and, and, and this, that same kid came, came in with a 7-Eleven big gulp of, of Coke, like, my tooth hurts. And you're like, well, but, you know, so I, you, you will always have to just protect your peace. You know, whether it's private practice, FQAC, you have to put yourself first. And so if you know that, hey, this is not going to be a good relationship with the patient, dismiss them. If you think that you can change an attitude, by all means, go for it. So then I guess as we move into the last question, then is there any like advice that you would give to a new grad or um, dental students if you could do it all over again with your process? Um, what I would do over. So because of situations that happened at Ohio State, I don't know if I would say I would change dental schools um, because I've made some really good people there. But I think um, there were certain situations that I probably could have handled better, not that were not in, even within my control. But, you know, being one of the very few black students at Ohio State, it was like you got blamed for stuff that you didn't do or you were accused of stuff that didn't happen. You know what I'm saying? So there was a lot of um, but coming out, no, I wouldn't change the fact that I went to an FQHC. I wouldn't change that I stayed there for four years. Well, now, now that I saw the money in private practice, I'm like, oh, I should have left earlier. But no, um, 
I'm thankful that, you know, the four years that I spent at the FQHC because I met a lot of great people. Um, I really learned my technique. I learned how to communicate with people. And I think you never stop learning. And so even though, you know, I felt confident in what I was doing at the FQHC coming down to private practice now, it's like, oh, let me hone this skill a little bit better. Let me kind of shape this a little bit better for me. So, no, I, I think every failure, every, you know, remediation class that I had to take, no, I, I would not take it back um, because it's, it's made me and shaped me into the person I am today. Um, I'm grateful. Um, you know, I can, I mean, real quick, though, I mean, my first year sucked. I mean, I failed, whew, I want to say almost every hand skill course, almost, um, you know, I had to be in remediation, you know, but I came in the remediation tip where it was like, look, this is going to make me better. You know, now I get to ask these, these doctors more one-on-one help and, and make myself better. Um, so, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change anything. I'm, I'm very thankful for it. I think the interactions with people, um, really helped me. Um, you know, I was dating at the time I was had a six year relationship when I was in school, you know, that broke up. Um, you know, so life, life experiences kind of shaped you and change you. Um, so, you know, from those things, I'm, I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity that I had in dental school. I think thankful for the friends that I met both in and outside of the college. Uh, and even the interactions that, you know, post-graduation with new dentist and kind of the position that I have now, like, no, I wouldn't change it. Uh, I think that if I, if I, what I would, okay, what I would do differently if I had to would be try to pick, identify younger leaders earlier to say, look, like, come, come do this. Like, you know, yourself and Carla and others who, you know, we can really use. Yeah. I already know, like with talking with you guys um, from the NDA, I already know that right when I graduate, <laughs> I'm for sure going to be signing up for something. And here's the thing I, I, I tell you, and, I, and, I, and I'll tell you and Carla the same, and I caution you guys, and I love you guys like y'all are my sisters, okay? Excuse me. The, a lot of the problems that NDA has post kind of retention is, you know, you want to overwork these students. And when they come out, they're like, I need a break. And so I would tell you, like I would tell Carla and any other new dentist, don't join the NDA for sure, right? Definitely join them. them. But don't let anybody push you into a position that you don't want to be in because you're you're coming out of school. You want to make some money. You know, you want to pay off your start paying off your loans. You want to be able to travel. So the the purpose, and I'll kind of self-plug here, right? The new dentist committee um allows you to kind of come in and not have that large responsibility, but then also kind of create your own niche. So this is your podcast. So if you wanted to. Like, for example, if you were saying, oh, we want to do this new dentist podcast with the inclusive table, you can bring in people for the panel. And that that would be your whole thing for the new dentist committee. And I'd be set like, boom, give me somebody else who does social media. Boom. So, you know, what I mean, so you can build the program internally. So that way at conventions, you're like, oh, we can do a live podcast. We can do this. We can do all these different things that the NDA has never done before. And so instead of being thrust into secretary, assistant secretary and all these other bigger positions, it's like, wait, let me get a bigger spectrum of what this looks like first. Let me go out there and practice. Let me make some money. Then I can come in and help. And so, you know, I know how this process goes because I've, I've been a part of it. And so, you know, there, as soon as you graduate, 
pay your dues, get in here, do this work. And you're like, bruh, I just want to make this money first. Like I got to go prep a tooth real quick. Like, so self plug, but yeah, I mean, that is the purpose of the new dentist committee to where you're coming in. We, you know, we meet maybe once, once a month, come up with a strategy and a game plan for that month and then implement it and then come to conventions and plan it out. And so that way, in the following years, if you're like, oh, I want to be president, I want to be secretary, whatever, whatever, you have the experience of being in, in the organization without having that, then I got to sit on a call for four hours. You know what I mean? And you, you, I mean, you know, you already know how I to do. Go. I do. I've been there. <laughs> yeah. But so, and also I feel like they've been, they've done a really good job and, you know, I'm, I'm a fire starter with them because I'd be like, look, I don't want to go to work eight to five and then come home from seven to 10 and be with y'all all night. Like I'm not with that. And so I've really got gotten them to be better with shortening up these meetings, making them about business, getting stuff done. Cause I don't want to sit on them. Like young I'm all people about don't... effective meetings. I love effective meetings. Like you have the agenda, <laughs> let's stick to it. You know, let's get <laughs> it in, get to... it out and go right. home. Right. <laughs> right. So yeah, totally. So, uh, Dr. Tyson, again, thank you so much for being here. Um, you know, I've been wanting to have you on the show for a very long time now because I know you have a whole bunch of experience that, you know, um, you can shed uh, light on. So do you have any closing remarks? Uh, no, just thanks for having me. Um, I love working with you guys. I love working with you. This is a fun thing to do. It's my first podcast. So I thought this was kind of dope. Um, you know, if anybody wants to follow me on Instagram, my Instagram is Dr. DrDJTYS24. Um, if you have any questions, you can email me at ndaspeakerofthehouse at gmail.com. Um, yeah, I'm pretty approachable. You know, this is me all the time anyway. So um, thanks again for having me. I really appreciate it. All right. Well, um, that is all that we have for today. So thank you for sitting with us at the table and remember to stay flossing and keep flossing. Bye guys.